Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Lodge 49. Hello and welcome back to Streaming in Place. This is Kate Kalsik, joined by Chekhov's author and typewriter, magical typewriter, uh, Noel Kirkpatrick. Uh, Noel, were you excited to see the long-awaited debut of Mets at the, the end of this episode? I was very, I was very surprised to see L. Marvin Metz mm-hmm. um, here with us in the flesh finally. But I'm very excited, and I am even more glad that he and Blaze are going to be pals because they are both lynxes. Yeah, Blaze goes through it this episode, which is just like I feel everyone like goes through it in this episode. Exactly, that's the log line of this episode. Everyone goes through it. Now, Allison was not able to join us today. We uh, didn't so exile her. We but, did not yeah. exile Allison. Yeah. As we talk about Lodge 49, Season 2, Episode 7, Exile, um, she's not able to join us for real-life things, and she'll be back on Wednesday. We'll have to get her take on all this then. But uh, this one, after, especially coming after Circles, which was mm-hmm. so compelling and... Uh, beautiful but and and, like there's a lot of painful stuff in there but a lot of really beautiful stuff in there this one is just like oh you're happy no we're gonna take that away just the pain and and some necessary healing and growth um that comes with it but but a lot a lot of the pain um so that that's why i'm starting with a little bit of the more fun i do think i get a coldish because i said last time that you know Mets needs to be showing up at some point here pretty soon and then he did um the ludibrium uh which is where where we we end the episode with blaze checking himself in to a mental health clinic called ludibrium i was curious about that what is that so i looked it up and listeners if you don't know ludibrium is derived from the latin ludus meaning a plaything or a mm-hmm. trivial game so uh Yes, it's there has a tone of scorn and derision. So that is oh so optimistic and cheery for <laughs> what uh, Blaze's time in the mental health facility will be. But hey, we're seeing the pieces come together. Um, yeah, I, I, we've got three episodes left. Two episodes before the plane. What do you think? Um. Yeah, I feel like we're gonna. I feel like maybe. Maybe even in the next episode. Who knows? Okay. Um, but definitely by episode nine, we get the plane. We get the plane. Um, there's some other fun stuff in this episode uh, before we fun. get to the pain. Air quotes <laughs> fun. Uh, well, I mean, we get to see Janet f- fall through the not table, not glass top of the table, which that was pretty fun. Yeah, uh, that was pretty solid. Did we have any? Did you have any other more uh, lighthearted moments before we just dive into the pain? I don't know that I have anything else that feels particularly lighthearted in my brain. Um, mm-hmm. Listeners, it's been a week since I've watched this episode, and I really intended to get around to watching it this morning. And I did not because I was very busy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I I don't think that there's anything else that doesn't, that isn't funny, that doesn't turn sad. Yeah. <laughs> Is the problem. Is the trouble. Yeah. So, well, then let's just, let's just pull off that Band-Aid and dive in with the sad. Let's, let, let's go to, let's start with Blaze. Okay. And then we'll go to Ernie and Dud. And then we can maybe speculate a bit about Janet and everything happening over at Higher Stakes and everything with Liz and her new, her new soon-to-be crippling debt. Um, so, so first, 
first Blaze. Blaze is having a rough time. Uh, I like that we got some backstory for him, though. Um, mm -hmm. a tragic backstory, but we got some backstory. Um, it was interesting finding out that he has, like, bouts of insomnia. I, you know, insomnia can be really horrible to live with. Um, and that was... It, it clicked into place for me. So, some of the stuff that we know about the character, really specifically, finding out, you know, about his, his childhood and growing up in a... Uh, difficult home where he did not feel wanted. Um, and then what did he, like, it makes sense that the lodge and all of this mythos around it really captured him because this yeah. notion of like the lost 10 years, the lost decade wandering. And he talks about having basically a lost like 30 years. Yeah. Um, it's about 30 years that he says. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what did you, what did you think of, of what everything we get with, with blaze, obviously that amazing scene, um, that we get in the, the grocery store with David Pasquese, just like crushing that. Um, but what, what did you think of our arc here? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. Um, I think that it's really well done as well as the thing, like, like you said, like that tee up to the supermarket where, you know, it's a lemon, it's a lemon. Back to <laughs> it's the lemon, lemon standard. Yeah, and then just that complete collapse into a uh, mental breakdown. Um, I think is really great, but also what I really like as well is that we get that bit about him being a drifter, um, and kind of the aimlessness of that. But then he also just keeps getting passed around in this episode as well. Mm -hmm. um, he gets exiled from the lodge, so he doesn't have any place to go. He's exiled from his shop and his house and his apartment. Um, he can sort of stay at Dud's slash Larry's, but that's not a great place to be. Yeah, um, that and doesn't then, have a place or else he'd yeah. be welcome at Dud's. Yeah. And Ernie doesn't want him there, but is taking him in. I can hear you guys. You know that, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and just the ways in which all of that kind of, I think, comes together for blaze to just realize that he needs someplace else but also realize that he needs some degree of help because this is a history of for him he just probably goes to the worst possible place in terms of actually getting mental health um because ludibrium definitely produces phydro right because there's a big phydro machine in that corner they make phydro right <laughs> <laughs> so i wouldn't be surprised if they're affiliated with omni in some way yeah. So I, I just think that entire arc of what Blaze goes through is really, really good. And it ends with him ending up finding another kind of outlet through Marvin Metz, almost, of another a fellow Lynx that is perhaps studied in what Blaze is interested in. And I'm going to be really curious to see how they fold Metz fully into this um, very very weird space that we're not even a weird space this very short runway that we have until we're literally on a plane and someone on the plane is on fire yeah yeah um the this you know what struck me was i after the last episode i did not anticipate where blaze was headed mm -hmm. and i felt foolish for not having anticipated that after we see where he, you know what he like reaching some sort of some level of a breaking point and then thinking back to his reaction to the shark tooth um and how heightened all of that is i mean it makes complete sense i i um 
you know, having him be the one in exile because he shot Scott with a with a nail gun. So that's a pretty good reason to exile someone. Yeah. Um, I think really uh, made a lot of sense. But yeah, he's got a lynx urine guy who's not in it for the money, man. Um, there, I like how this episode has you really concerned for Blaze, but also just has a little note like that that can keep you intrigued and be like, like, I need to find out nothing else about that. I need to never find out another detail connecting into that. I love it as a non sequitur. Um, but also I need to know everything about that at the same time. Um, so I, I'm not, I'm not reassured that he'll be okay. He doesn't have plutonium the way that the Dudleys do. But this also doesn't feel like a show that punishes its characters for the, in the name of like air quotes, realism or being dark and gritty or that kind of a thing. So I am worried for, for blaze. But as soon as Mets was there, I got a lot more reassured. Cause it's like, ah, this is why he's here also because he's dealing with all of this stuff, but this is, but also so that he can, yeah. So he can run into Mets and so that encourages me that this will be a positive experience for Blaze. So I, I, I was very, re- I was very relieved to to feel like the show was leave like that. We, I was being left. The character was being left in a place that has a sign towards optimism of some sort, um, which is just me holding on with my fingertips to some sort of hope for this character because I really I. I feel like Blaze is one of the characters I, uh, you know, I most uh, am invested in and uh, protective of. So, yeah. hopefully, he'll be okay soon. Um, and again, terrific performances. Let's go over to Scott. Um, sure. You know, the exiler. I really liked and again. There's lots of great stuff for Ernie this episode, but I really liked seeing uh, the that scene we got with uh, you know Connie breaking things off with Scott. It was beautifully acted by both of the, the actors, of course, Linda Emond and, uh, Emond and Eric, uh, Alan Kramer as Scott. Um, and with all of the reasons that Ernie would have to, to push back at Scott, just that one, the delivery, just the line of my, I don't even, <laughs> my head translated to my watch is ended. Um, but, uh, and that's, you know, all Ernie needs to know to sit down, scooch over a little bit, give him some space, but just be there for Scott. Um, it's Scott's having a rough time, but I feel like, again, similarly, this is a dark night for the character that's going to take him through to something better, um, but painful, necessary growth. Hopefully he just doesn't bankrupt himself in the process. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried about him doing that. And, there's so much about this that's about having a sense of power control, but also that overwhelming need to protect that is just steering too much of his actions here. Um, um, but also the fact that putting a bunch of sports TVs and a jukebox, a bunch of flat screens and turning it into shamrocks is not what the lodge needs. Um, that is, that is not how that is not going to attract new people to come in and pay money to hang out there. Um, however much it was like $200 fee, not the 2000. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just not going to get people to come in. Um, which is a shame, but it's not. 
Uh, but I also just feel real bad for Scott as well because all those mysteries of the Lodge don't really mean anything to him, but he's just surrounded by them and he just refuses to engage them. Um, which is deeply frustrating to watch because it feels like a way that it could really open his eyes. And I know that like for him, a lot of it is, well, I can't fit into the thing. And I just went, but Scott, you could just take a ladder, <laughs> take a ladder and go into the hole. Yeah. Like that hole's large enough for you to get through the, the actual tunnel that you have to crawl through to get into that, that ph- philosophy egg, mm-hmm. which by the way, we all live in a philosophy egg. Um, mm-hmm. May not be large enough, but you can get there another way. Like, the shell's cracked. You can get in. Um, But it it wouldn't matter, I feel like, either. Like, he's just... He's so resistant. But I think Connie telling him that his duty's done, that he's been relieved, um, that her night is no longer needed, basically, um, will set him more adrift, but it is also an opportunity to find something new. Um, but he just has to be willing to f- let that happen at the same time. And he's so closed off. Like all of this season has been about him closing things off as much as possible, um, including himself. Mm-hmm. For a show that really is talking about centered on connection, the second season has been a lot of, well, I guess Liz is going the opposite direction, right? She's connecting to more people um, in this, in the season, but a lot yes. of these characters, it's, We've been watching the opposite journey, right? We've been watching Blaze get more isolated. We've been watching Scott get more isolated. We've been watching Ernie, you know, diminish in a way. Um, And that's, you know, seeing Dud point that out in this episode, I think, is a really key moment. It's like, it's not, the problem isn't even Scott. The problem is Ernie. Because if Ernie was being who he should be, the leader he should be, he would be in charge of the lodge. He would be taking care of this stuff. And he hasn't felt, he's still so thrown by everything with Larry that he hasn't, you know, he hasn't come back into his own and his place of, you know, who he is in this community. And without that central, like, Scott is trying real hard to be that, but, you know, to be very literal, he doesn't fit. (laughs) Yeah. He literally doesn't fit in that position. And um, he's just desperately trying to you know, block out all the noise, all the internal thoughts. And if that means putting up a bunch of flat screens, that's, that's what he's going to do. Um, it also really effectively drives anyone who might ask him how he's doing away, which is what he also desperately is trying to do. So I'm curious where this leaves Connie though, because like she's still, you know, he's not going to exile her and, but there's no, if Ernie's not, I guess Ernie's somewhat around, with Scott, we see at the end, who does she have at the lodge then to, to like, who is she spending her time with when she's at the lodge? Well, anyone, um, like she was hanging out with Gil a little bit she was, um, so I think that Connie's just sort of become a links in residence almost after her ascension or whatever has happened. Um, at lodge one, she's just become in a, in residence member, even though she's always been a member, but, She's definitely tapped into something else, which is different from how everyone else is treating it as like the social club. But she's also in a different space than even Dud and Blaze are with the alchemy of it all and the scrolls. Um, there's a she's on a she's on a different path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Well, did you have any other thoughts on Scott? 
before we move back to Ernie? I did not, but yeah, let's talk about Ernie because there's a lot of stuff about Ernie in this episode that I do not like in terms of it made me very sad. (laughs) Yeah, but it's also uh, watching, like getting that backstory about his his daughter, Amaya, and, you know, what he's lost and that, you know, because we had gotten hints of there had been a significant relationship before Connie show yep. you know came back to you know came showed back. up at the lodge um and getting the context of that um i was so i was actually kind of relieved when we got the full context it's like oh he's not just being a creeper outside of you know there's more <laughs> to ju- than just being a creeper outside your ex's place um it's not like she dumped him kind of thing it's like they went through this trauma and didn't survive it um which i would say would make you much more amenable to going over and being like uh ernie What's what's going on? Let let's talk. Let's talk. Um, everything with uh, you know that we get with him here is both painful, but also where we end with him, I think, is very uh, is is lovely because he's able to share with Dud, and it it happens to be the right person at the right time. It, it pro- he pro- he would have shared this with Connie. He was ready, right? It didn't have to be Dud, but I think it did help that it was Dud. And that Dud could share some of, like, open up some of the burden he's been dealing with. And that helps Ernie feel able to share some of the pain that he has kept up for, bottled for 20 years. Uh, the weight of that, right? Um, and if, if this lets him come out the other side, lighter and more at peace, that would be a beautiful thing. So, yeah. Again, Dark Knight before the dawn, hopefully? I don't know. What do you think? Hopefully. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of, like, you have responsibilities type of, to Ernie. That Ernie has been slowly kind of skirting ever since uh, everything fell through with the captain because he couldn't trust his instincts. Getting sent to the desk over at um, the the plumbing supply place. Um, down to the lodge kind of slipping away. But... I think, and then obviously Larry's death. Um, But I think that the affirmation of Dud finding that commonality in loss of I also felt useless after my dad died um, provides a perspective that Ernie just, when you're in that much grief, it's hard to see other people and to find comfort in other people's grief. That whole idea of wait, why did you jump into this hole? Well, because I've been in this hole before and I also know the way out type of deal um, that I think really matters. But also the fact that so much of this show has been about trying, Dud trying to turn Ernie into a surrogate father of sorts. Yeah. And Ernie resisting that sometimes very explicitly and other times just by refusing to answer phone calls. Um <laughs> Or refusing to show up on golfing day. And I think that having this here and subtly drawing those, well, not even subtly, drawing those parallels between Dud and Ernie and Amaya and that that whole soup, I think works really well to have that, like you said, that potential dawn, that glimmer of light, basically, before everything, after everything has been so dark. Um, That here's a man... In Dud, who will listen to you and will almost uniformly accept you regardless. Um, A, because that's how he is, but B, also that's how 
desperate he is as well, of like a lack of discernment with Dud, um, which never seems to totally destroy his life, but off, comes awfully close too many times. Um, Daphne. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm just... definitely a law service provider. <laughs> <laughs> Yale. Went to Yale. Um, also, just everything with, with Bert. Is, yeah. He's very lucky that Bert is Bert. Um, yes. And not, you know, and Bert is happy to play the long game. And Dud is very fortunate about that. Um, yeah. Oh, the... God, that bet. Never. Oh, God, that bet. Well, and that's like that scene. I love the way they took that. Yes, because... me too. The, you're expecting this big blow up, like, and that's twenty thousand dollars. That would be huge for him. He wouldn't have to sell his caddy. He could get it fixed. He, you know, he's behind on his rent. You get the sense, right? That would be huge. But he understand, like, under, like, as soon as he asks, "Wait, how do you even get the money to do that?" And then it just—he doesn't even say anything. He doesn't. Yeah. That's that's so meaningful, and frankly. Twenty thousand dollars is is a shit ton of money. It is life changing money for a lot of people. Do not get me wrong, but if that's what it costs him to be allow himself to be seen and to start to heal, I think he Ernie knows the value of that yeah. at this point, and it's like I think that's a choice he would. I think that's a tw- a bet he would happily not have won. No, if that's the choice, right? If that's what you're going to get out of it is you finally feel comfortable letting someone see you, letting Mm -hmm. letting Dud see, you know, this, this part of him that he has walled off so completely that has been just a bit of a cancer in his life and led to so many other choices, um, that he, you know, just, just, just this need to not engage with and not think about certain stuff that has shaped a lot of his life um and now has led to a lot of regret and pain at this turning point for him so yeah yeah i i was i was so i was like watching between my fingers that whole i was like oh no oh no dad can't take another like law like this is so bad um but also ernie really needs the money but also like is i can't think of another way this could go and then they went this way and it was really lovely yeah, no, it is super lovely, and um, Brent Jennings is just really good in that last scene, across the board. But watching him kind of work through that face of, oh, I won. Oh, I don't have that money anymore because this man did this thing for me because I thought I was going to lose. Mm-hmm. And he gave up that last, again, that last little remnant of his father again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so... He gave up the memory of his father, so I can, and I'm going to give up this, what feels like giving up this memory of his daughter, but actually right. sharing it instead. Yes. Something much exactly. more beautiful. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, let's go over to Liz, because I feel like the surrogate father thing takes us right to Liz and surrogate mother, to Jeremy and the whole crew. She's just very comfortable in that position like the dream he's like you're just holding me you're just holding and the kid and the wife and like we're just gonna be okay because your arms are huge your arms are huge (laughs) like um i mean we'll see what happens um i you know we'll we'll see we'll see what happens i don't think we can trust uh i don't think we can trust janet as far as we can watch her fall into a glass 
in, into a, a, a coffee table. But after getting punched in the face, oh, that was great. Oh, just cold cocked right in the face. Yeah. Um, but, uh, having her take on that role, it's the most purposeful we've seen her in a while. And while this is not the way to channel that energy, Liz, this is not a good choice. Um, it is terrific to see her have that clarity and hopefully this will lead to something that will allow her to do that in a more measured way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, one of the, the thing about the Janet, uh, the list stuff, I should say, is that all of it is deathly serious, but is also like the lightest part of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, because being told that you haven't been paid in weeks and then that you're going to be paid in stock, which is useless. Yeah. Um, is both terrible, but is also like the comedy of tragedy type of thing with capitalism that the show trades in really, really well. Um, so I love that, like you said, there's this, when Liz gets purpose, she just goes all out. And her purpose here is to make sure that these people that are both her friends, but also her employees that she's responsible for get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, which also means punching the CEO of the company that owns <laughs> oh, that's your... Just- that's just that's, frosting. That's, that's just, like, just the frosting. cherry on top. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she felt kind of bad afterwards. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. Not a lot. Not a lot of it, yeah. But, yeah, no. So we can definitely not trust this whole idea of, yeah, you're going to be my personal assistant in exchange for I'm going to pay these people. Or yeah. at least forgive your debt. Or forgive your cover debt your debt. Cover, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's also such a response to her father as well. Right. And what happened, like, because... The, what happened with, you know, the debt and all of a sudden she's responsible for this thing that she didn't do mm-hmm. anything wrong. And, you know, so, they, you know, she's very much identifying making a different choice in her mind than her dad made. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and and so that's that's an interesting response to that. I, I'm waiting for more through lines on the mother because they, like, I, I, I keep waiting for more than just what we got with Eleanor. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Maybe that'll come in the next episode. Maybe that's you maybe. know, but maybe like it's just we got a thematic stuff that. with with yeah. Jeremy. But like after such a like I don't know, it's just weird. It's weird to me that Dud doesn't seem to have any questions or curiosity about his mother. Yeah, um, not it's not like super. It's just like it seems odd, and um, and it. It, it feels odd to me that they've introduced that as being a, something that lingers with Liz in the season, but then not having her come to any... I, I guess maybe I'm just waiting for one more dream sequence or something. I don't know. Well, <laughs> well I think that a lot of it... She ends up becoming a synthesis of both of her parents in this episode yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, because, like you said, there's all that mother imagery, but there's also that sense of make, making the same decisions her father did. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of taking out a massive amount of debt that will crush you, and that the, that Bert will definitely not respond to a suicide threat. Um, yeah, he he will not even blink an eye um, at that. He will just go. He will just dead eye Liz mm-hmm. and go. You're not going to do that. And Liz will be like, I know, but it worked at the bank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. um yeah. But yeah, no, this this arrangement with Janet's going to go south very quickly, right? Like there's no way that this isn't like some sort of weird frame up job or something along those lines, right? Yeah, no idea. 
no idea, but, um, yeah, I don't just like, I, I don't know why she would ever believe anything Janet has to say, but I yeah. also think she's in a position where she doesn't believe what Janet has to say, but what other choice is she going to make? Yeah. I, I do want to say that I'm really worried about for Tarquin because I don't know what happens to him after Omni collapses. Like what, oh, what happens good. to Tarquin? Does I mean does he have to go to Ludibrium to like get reoriented? Because I'm yeah. worried. I'm worried he's just going to stalk Janet. Well, because he's because he does it before. It's he is certainly it's very um uh very much like he doesn't buy into any of this stuff, but he like just is really good at spouting it. Yeah. Um, but over the course of this season, I feel like no, he might actually like buy into the cult of Janet a bit. Yeah. Oh oh no oh honey oh. That's not going to end well for you. Yeah. Oh, God. Punching the hologram. Kate. Yeah. Punching the hologram. <laughs> and tackling the hologram. Oh, and then great. everyone being upset about it being a hologram. Well, and they said, it, like, the sign says, quote, in person. In it's person. Like, yeah. It was very it's clear like, yeah. that this was what this was. The thing that I thought was more damning was the fact that, obviously, it's a recording. And it's not mm-hmm. like a lot. Because otherwise, she yeah. would have been responding to the situation and she wasn't. Yeah. So, like, down to, oh, she has done this enough times that she has a strong sense of how long the pauses for laughter need to be. Yes. In in this room, calibrated to this size room with this number of people. Like, But also, talking over the laughter is just a power move, it's right? It's a power move. Totally. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Ugh. Any, okay, do you have any final thoughts about this episode? Besides the fact that it was very emotional... And, you know, it was, it was, it was rough. Yeah, it was, it was very rough, but it was very good. Um, I don't think it's as like as good as Circles, which I still think is one of the show's best episodes, but this is awfully close. Um, yeah. What about you? Anything like, no, it just, you know, I liked Trish. I thought that that was very good casting Mm -hmm. and the performance was really good, um, from, from Karen Molina White. Uh, such a, like she immediately had such great chemistry with Brent Jennings, uh, and just slipped right in. It was great. Yeah, I just I'm. I, I hope everything is more okay. <laughs> the thing is, I, I I would if if the show had ended with some notice, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, they had had, and I felt secure that they had been able to wrap things up in the way that they were happy with, I would be less worried. But I'm very concerned for all these characters that I care about because the show got canceled. Um, and in like, and not necessarily, I don't know that it got surprise canceled. I don't, I haven't heard anything like that, but just yeah. like, no, they definitely had more story. So now I'm, I'm less, I'm just, I'm just more anxious, I guess. I'm more anxious about where everybody's going to be left. I hope that they're in an okay place by the end of the season. I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the ratings because I have the Wikipedia page up, and this was, like, their highest-rated episode uh, since episode four, Conjunctio. Uh, Conjunctio. Uh-huh. Um, but then that was for, like, a... Sorry, yeah, that was for, like, a 1.9, so almost a 0. 0.2. Yeah. Um, but then it just drops to a, a 0. 0.15, a 0. 0.14, and then yeah. the finale has a 0. 0.17, and it's just like, that is such a wild drop. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, poor. Yeah, nobody poor was watching show. this show. Yeah. Well, yeah. we weren't watching it. Not when no. it was airing. This is our fault, really, yes, when clearly. it comes down to it. We were too busy talking about the eighth season of Limitless. Um, yeah, clearly. <laughs> I was going to say, I was too busy, you know, wielding all of the control over Limitless at the yeah. time to, to, you know, turn my eye this way. Um, well, 
let's talk about briefly our next episode. We have yeah. the the. Okay, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. Um. Oh goodness, no! I don't know how to pronounce that either. Okay, so the episode title, listeners, is Zugzwang. 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 That sounds about right. Yeah. Z u g capital Z u g z w a n g. Um. Yeah. I'm gonna say it is a really good snack chip that goes with Fidro. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what I. That's like what like I, a la jorts what I say kind of thing. Yeah, a la jorts. Exactly. Okay. Listeners, jorts is from Hilda. You should watch Hilda. Yeah, Hilda's delightful. <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna say that it is gonna be something that Mets has a term that Mets has uh, oh, coined. Yeah. Sure. That. Um, is some bullshit, <laughs> but yeah. is like ties in either with just his writing process or his like philosophy of life of how you should be and may or may not connect in with the lodge and mm-hmm. um, you know, the various writings and you know that kind of a thing. So that's that's what I'm gonna go with. Um, I like that instead of like instead of doing like twists and zigzags in his books, he does. Zugzwangs, yeah, zugzwangs. That's that's how all my books are structured around big zugzugs zugzugzugzugs. Yeah, I'm not. Even yeah, yeah. Because um, like the other way, I thought this this could be another corporate speak thing, but like right. this feels more just looking at that word that feels more like writerly bullshit of someone who's very confident in yes. in himself. In his which, bullshit, yes, in his bullshit, which is you know what we've gotten from from uh, Matt so far. So. That's where we will leave it off. Uh, any other predictions for the next episode besides hopefully something positive happening? Well, I really hope it's true because I really want to hear Paul Giamatti say that word a lot of times. Yeah, <laughs> as do I. Very much so. Yeah. Um, okay, well, then we're, we're going to leave it there. Uh, thank you, Noel. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday to talk about the Lo- Lodge 49, Season 2, Episode 8, Zugzwang. Zugzwang. <laughs> Bye. Bye.